Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes, completely eradicating, not just reducing, completely eradicating. I believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for Mondays, not Fridays and get to do their most meaningful work. The aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content, but instead shift the context under which you operate. This podcast is titled Choosing Leadership because that is what leadership is, a choice. In each episode, I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices, which are not always easy and comfortable, but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves, and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action, as those were the moments when you chose leadership. At the end, I will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast. And with that, let's get started. Gabriel is a serial entrepreneur with two exits and now an active angel investor in startups with Leonis and Lobster Capital. We spoke about his interesting story of starting multiple companies in the last 15 years. He shares how he has learned the value of meditation, slowing down and keeping your balance over the years, and now how he advises and mentors the founders and the companies that he invests in for the same. He shares how he maintains boundaries between work and his personal life and he also shared a dream which keeps coming back to him and we briefly spoke about and explored how trusting our intuition could be a gift and what it could mean for him. Hi Gabriel, welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast. Hi Samit, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here with us today. And to begin with, can you share a little bit about who you are and what do you do? Yes, absolutely. So my name is Gabriel Jarrison. I am French, born and raised in Paris. I am today the founder and CEO of Leonis. Um, Leonis is the biggest French angel syndicate investing in startups in the US. So what a, an angel syndicate is, if you don't know, is a group of small investors that pull their money together to be able to access better, bigger deals. And so I've been doing this for five years. Before that, I was an entrepreneur. Obviously, I can tell you more about that. I think I will. And yeah, I guess that's a good, short and sweet introduction about myself. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Let's jump right in. Can you share a little bit of your background growing up in, in Paris, being an entrepreneur? Where do the dots connect? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. When I was 13, started learning HTML, CSS, creating websites and actually trying to sell them to friends of my parents. And then I went on to study engineering. I didn't really like engineering as a study and as a potential job, but I, it gave me some more technical baggage. I was studying computer science. I was still kind of more about this universe, this let's say computer universe, which is a very broad topic and world. And 
after, since I didn't like too much the, being a, an engineer, I went, after school, I immediately started a business. I actually started a few businesses during school. And so my background is engineering studies, but entrepreneurship. I've built, I think, seven startups in the last 15 years. And what's very particular is most of the times I fail. So I, I'm really defined by all of the trials and errors that I made, all the failures that I had. But every failure brought a new learning. Every failure taught me something like, why did I fail? Failing is very painful. You don't want it to happen very often. So every time you fail, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're thinking, what happened? I was fortunate enough to still exit two startups that I created, have two exits, small, but still their exits and makes you very proud as an entrepreneur. And the links, the dots, you said, how do the dots connect? The learning, uh, all of those startups, all of those failures, all of those teaching, it really made me realize that not all startups are equal. There are some startups that are going to succeed better than others. And there's some mistakes that many entrepreneurs do, but some entrepreneurs, they're not going to do those mistakes and they're going to avoid them and go further. And this is how I realized, well, I can easily look at a startup and see in their future, see if they're doing the same mistake that I'm making, see if they're in the same, not all startups are equal. So is it a good startup or a bad startup? And I realized if I know that I can invest in them with success. And that's how I've been so successful investing ever since. Thank you for sharing that. And obviously I want to go into some of those failures or mistakes, but before that, I want to understand as a teenager, as you said, as a very young age, what was it that drove you to say that like building companies, entrepreneurship, I think people can be enamored by many different things at that age. So what was that <laughs> foundational element for you? That's a very interesting question. I don't really know. Let me think. Okay. I can tell you that I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. No one in my family was an entrepreneur, but my family had entrepreneurial spirit. I would say a project spirit. Like if you want to go after something, go do it. We're not going to restrict you. You can invent your own things. You want to do when I was, a, I don't know, seven, eight or whatever. I told my mom, I want to do I don't even know how you say this instrument in English. It's Aubois in French. Let me translate it. Anyway, this weird instrument that no one ever heard about. And I was like, I want to do this. And it was completely random and weird. But my parents were like, yeah, okay, sure. You can do this. I ended up not doing it because it was, it's so weird that it was not available in my town. But oh, oboe, yeah, oboe. Anyway, whatever, that's what it is. I'm learning a new English word, right? Oboe. So there's always this thing, like you, if, you want to, if you want something, go for it. There's no limit. So that's, I think, one thing that really helped me. The other thing is I was born in 1990. And so when I was 9, 10, 11, was exactly the time where computers were starting to really democratize in every home and also internet and ADSL, right? Fast internet was starting to get around. And same thing, I asked my parents, I want to have a computer, I want to see what this is, learn how to use it, blah, blah, blah. And my parents said yes. And so I fell in love, not in love, but let's say I was very interested, very curious about this new world. I was, as soon as I got a computer and fascinated, I was illegally downloading movies and music and stuff. It was the time where I was with the old software and to get a movie, you had to wait for three weeks. So it was 1% per day. And it's, so I discovered all of these kind of new world, online world communities, et cetera, and I think that led me to starting on that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And it reminds me so much of my own journey, right? The 99 was the first time that awesome. I got a computer and started to explore the internet. And then I fell in love with programming. So, and what you said earlier about that, 
freedom to be creative and to try out things on your own. We don't realize, but how much of a privilege that can be when it comes to entrepreneurship. For sure. Right. So can you walk through some of those choices that you had to make or failures as you said, when, and what did you learn from them? <laughs> so many things. Okay. So many failures. So pick to learn pick from. the top two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. No, but I mean, there's so many failures. So the first thing is I was really passionate about building a business and I really wanted to make it, you know, whatever that means. And for me, when I was really young, you know, 18, 20, was have a business that grows, that exists, that is a real business, not just a hobby. And so the first thing that I did was I was starting a new business every week, every month. That was obviously a mistake. I've come to realize. So that was the first learning. And if you do five businesses at the same time, they're all going to fail because you cannot focus. So I'm really, I learned that the hard way. Created five businesses in a year. Five of them failed and that was it. So I really learned focus. The second thing is one of one of the first, I think it was the second business that I ever created was a wine marketplace. I was French, living in France, the country of wine. And I was l- learning about Jeff Bezos, Amazon, marketplaces, what we call today dropshipping. Basically having an e-commerce, but don't owning the stock that you're selling, just having it shipped from somewhere else. And so I realized, well, the wine today gets shipped to a warehouse and then it gets shipped again. It's bad for the environment. It's more costly. So what if I just go to wine producers and have them ship it from their production? So I did this. It was fairly big in France. It's actually my first exit that I mentioned. And I realized that wine is a terrible business because wine is heavy. And so it's very expensive to ship. Shipping is by weight. And it's also very fragile. So it breaks, you have to send it again. Customers, they're very unhappy because they needed the wine for their party or whatever. And it's not on time because it broke on the way. So this is one of my first kind of learning. And it was really imprinted in me that physical businesses have a huge disadvantage because you get to move stuff. And when you're doing a digital business, you got to move nothing. It's everything online. So that, this led me to only invest in digital businesses and not invest in physical products. Obviously, not to say that you cannot succeed with physical products. There's so many counter examples of Tesla, Apple, so many businesses make a lot of money with physical products, but it's that much harder. And when you're investing in a startup, you want to reduce everything that can go wrong. There's this thing that says anything that can go wrong will. And so you want to reduce all of those potential problems, shipping, but even production, there's raw materials that you got to have. There's production in itself, the assembly line, so many little things that can go wrong. And then if you're selling a physical product in a physical store, you got to have employees, but sometimes they don't show up because they're sick, like thousands of, of little moving pieces that have to fit just right. And if you're, if it's a digital business, you just code. I mean, of course, you got to debug your code right at the beginning. It's going to be bugging, but when it ships, it's online, it's self-service, there's no transportation, et cetera. So that really was the biggest, I think, Biggest thing, because so I think France, you mentioned, what was it like growing in France? France is interesting. There's a lot of 27 unicorns, but at the time and still today, there's a lot of emphasis on physical products. French has such a beautiful culture in the super broad sense of whether it's anything that has to do with food, wine, etc., or even the craftsmanship of a lot of things that, that we're able to do in France. But all of this is physical products. And there's a lot of French entrepreneurs doing physical stuff. And this drove me towards Silicon Valley in the U.S. because everything there is digital and it is much easier to, I think it's easier just to 
create an online business than to master everything on the physical front. That's something that stayed with me this whole time. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the major things. I still use it today. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. What I want to ask is how have you yourself grown as a person, as a human being, as a leader, as you said, right, working or creating as many startups, even seeing many of them fail. How have you grown or how have you evolved as a leader along the way? Well, it's very easy for me to have grown because I started, I was so young, so immature and inexperienced. And so of course, I'm not that old. Today, I'm 32. Between 18 and 32, you do change. For sure, everyone does. So there's a lot of learnings. I think I really learned the, the power of hard work. I think when I was a kid, I was going out with friends, drinking and not having a care in the world. I think that's what you should do, right? When you're young. But... If you want to succeed, like I keep saying this to a lot of entrepreneurs that I meet, if you want to succeed, you're going to have at some point to work super hard for some period of time. Maybe when you're, when you've made it, you can relax, but you're going to have to work really hard. I've learned that the importance of self-care, if you want to work hard and be able to keep doing this in a long time, you got to take care of yourself, not do, not burning out and meditate probably and eat well, sleep well, do some exercise, et cetera. I've learned the value of your reputation, your kindness, being nice to others. That's something that I completely didn't care about at the beginning, like mm-hmm. this go-getter guy and didn't care if I was breaking things along the way, roof fats and break things, but like this on Facebook, it's not actually that, I mean, if you're Facebook, yes, but otherwise be nice to people you meet. Just, I was going to say, I was going to say, be nice to people you meet because it might end up that you're going to meet these, those people again in, in the future, but actually just be nice because that's the right thing to do. That's even the most important thing. Yeah. And if I really, something that stuck with me, I don't consider myself a huge success, but I don't consider myself a huge failure. And something I've said to myself my whole life, even when I was a young kid trying to make it, and it was super, super difficult for me, was I don't know anyone that tried his, whole life, his or her whole life and that never made it. Like the only... Mm way to be sure to fail is to, you know, forfeit and abandon. But if you keep going at some point, something is going to happen. It's going to be long. It's going to be tough. You're going to suffer. Yes. Entrepreneurship is suffering, but in the end, something will most likely come out of it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think what I love about that answer is one is a level of humility and like humility from experience, not just humility for the sake of it. And the second, what you shared about like some of those practices of self-care, because I remember, right, when I started my first startup, I was 24. And if somebody have, would have told me about like sleep or meditation, I would have totally blown them off, right? So yeah, yeah but I want to just go a bit deeper, right? What What is it that you do now, maybe, or what you have learned to do on a regular or a daily basis for self-care and that many maybe entrepreneurs miss out on? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's one of my favorite topics. So thank you for going in that direction because people don't talk about this. People, there's like, oh, work Mm -hmm. hard. And that's the only thing. And I just said it, you have to work hard. I believe that, but, but self-care is so important. So, okay, let me tell you a few things that I do that I think I couldn't, I couldn't be here today without them. First of all, I have a very strict limit of my working time. So I stopped working not too late. It's usually between seven and eight, but most most likely closer to seven. So it's fine. It's rather early compared to a lot of people. And after that, I'm there's no way I'm working anymore. Like I'm not checking my computer, my, my phone. I'm not going to answer the phone and email. Like never, no exception. Like it's done. And there's a lot of people after dinner, they're going to catch up on a few emails, blah, blah, blah. So that's one thing. 
The second thing, same thing applies for the weekend. Like Saturday, Sunday, I'm gone, baby. Like there's nothing you can do to reach me. So that's, I think, super, super important. And then on top of that, I try to have some, I try to listen to myself sometimes. And it's not very often, but if I feel like it, sometimes it's like 3 p.m. And I'm like, ah, I don't want to work today. It's sunny outside. I just, I don't want to be here. And I'm just going to, if I don't have a meeting, even if I have a meeting that I can easily move, like it's not something important, I'm just going to drop everything and be like, okay, I'm done for today. It might be, maybe it's 2 p.m. Maybe it's 9 a.m. I'm just going to skip the day. I do this, I don't know, maybe three to five times a year. So it's not like I'm never working. But if I do, if I feel like it, I'm like, wow. I feel like going outside, I'm just going outside. So that's really something. And it's cool, right? Because you're, I'm, you mean, you work so hard to be your own boss. It get, it's it's got to have advantages. And this is one of them. So I think this is cool. And just knowing that I'm allowing myself to do it, I don't need to do it every week, but just knowing that I have the freedom and whenever I feel like it. There's this, of course, meditation. I think it probably changed my life. I don't meditate on a daily basis, sadly. I wish I did. It still helps me in so many situations and in times of stress and et cetera, et cetera. And it highly recommended. And I was like, you, I was like completely a non-believer. I would have blown you up if you had told me a few years back, like, what is this thing? What is this guru, whatever? Like, I don't care. I tried it and it's amazing. So yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's, that's good. I don't know if any, if, yeah. I mean, there's last thing that comes to mind. I try, it's not always easy, but I, ha- I try to have very good um, phone and email hygiene. By that, I mean, I don't have any notification on my phone, nothing, even text, SMS, WhatsApp, like no notification. I mean, it's still here, right? It shouldn't be right there next to me, but that's why I'm pointing. Even better if it's out of sight. No phone in the bedroom at all. The phone stays outside of the bedroom. That's also good hygiene. And I don't open my email and any at all before 4 p.m. every day. Like, so no, no weekend. And so between 4 and 7 p.m., I can be on the emails. But in the morning, I don't want to be caught in a kind of a web and spiral of entering emails. I want to be productive. And I actually have a software that blocks me from opening my email. So it's not about nation and motivation. It's about having a tool that blocks me. So I, there's no way that I can open my email before four, even though I want to so many times. And that allows me to be more productive and more satisfied with myself at the end of the day, which in the end is part of self-care, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you. And I'm so glad to hear that from you as one of the things that I'm very excited about is I'm starting an accelerator focused on the founder and the leader and not on the startup or the business. And one of the key elements that I want to like bring in what I see missing is the same element of slowing down, meditation, taking a deep breath. And because that leads to everything that leads to better listening, better empathy, better relationships, trust. And I see leaders running too fast or trying to run too fast, but not seeing that how it is hurting their own organization, their own growth. So that's something which absolutely. I'm very excited about. So now- Absolutely. And oh, yeah. sorry, I wanted to add something because you're absolutely right. And I'm also on the side, helping coaching entrepreneurs, helping them grow, develop their business. And also I'm helping the companies that I invest in grow, et cetera. And often, most of the times, a founder of a company and a company in itself needs to do only one, maybe two things to hmm. grow. And most of the times it's just selling. But some entrepreneurs that I coach, I ask them, how many hours did you spend selling this week? Like, and they, people, like you said, they're not focused and they're not calm. They're not breathing and yeah. they're all over the place. They're doing this and that. But in the end, it's not important. So focusing on the one, or I call this the big domino. I think it's an expression from Tim Ferriss. The big domino is what's the one thing that's going to help you achieve your objective and achieve the success that you want. 
And that's the only thing that you should do. So slow down, realize what you need to do is only this and just focus on this and stop being all over the place. Yeah. Absolutely. That's wonderful. So now can you share a little bit about the investing side of it? Why not another startup? Why not something else? And why investing? That's a very good question. I think I'm an, <laughs> I am an entrepreneur at heart. And so running a syndicate is almost like running a startup because I, I kind of have customers, they're the investors, and I have to sell to them. And then the product is finding the startups and delivering the investments. So I still feel like an entrepreneur, absolutely. Why investing? It's because it came so naturally to me. So when I had my wine marketplace, something that I realized that I'm French, I like wine like any other French probably, but it was not my passion. It was not mm -hmm. something I couldn't, and not that it's necessary to succeed, but I think it's always better if you do have a passion. I can speak about investing for hours and for me, it's just fun, right? So it really came naturally to me because I just, I loved it. And turns out I'm very good at it. So I, at the beginning, I was just doing it for myself for fun. And I created the syndicate because I had very good results initially just for myself. And everyone was asking me like, oh, but we want to invest with you. It really came naturally. People were asking me and I was like, let me create this. I think that's how I came to it. But it's a good, your question is good, opposing investing and entrepreneurship because thank God I'm still feeling as an entrepreneur because I do believe myself feel that I'm an entrepreneur more than an investor. And so that's how I feel every day. And there's still a lot of parts that is entrepreneurship in what I do. Thank God I couldn't just do investing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think then what you're doing is also there's a lot of coordination or bringing people together. And as you said, selling on maybe on both sides. So that yeah. gives me like an understanding that it's very active for you, not something very passive. So, oh, yeah. but again, it's a very interesting perspective. Like as an investor now, when you deal with a lot of founders and entrepreneurs, what do you see are, or what behaviors do you look for that you can say that like my investment is safe. And then at the same time, what are some of those red flags that you, that you can see that maybe I should stay away, right? Again, I'm talking from a very human leadership point of view, not from a more from a business point of view. Okay. So that's interesting. Let's get this from the yeah human and leadership perspective. So Red flags, obviously what we've talked about, someone who is dispersed, someone who doesn't really focus 100%, it's an obvious red flag. Someone who, who, as we said, doesn't believe in being nice to others and generous of their time and respectful. Like there's some people that, you know, are going to be very dismissive or very, just, it's such, yeah. of course it is a business relationship introduction. I mean, maybe it's because I'm French, it's maybe a little bit different here, but 99.9 .9 people will do this, but you got to have a little bit of at least a smile and at least a, how are you doing or whatever, right? If it's too cold, it doesn't always feel right to me. That's very rare, but that would be probably a red flag. I'm like, what is this person like? You want to, you got to be with this person for many years. So you want, you want to like the person that you're investing. Now back to the, let's talk about the other side of the coin and what am I looking for? What are my learnings? I think... Something that I actually mentioned just before, someone is very focused on the very few things that actually matter. I think that's a very good sign for me. And once again, I've been an entrepreneur myself. I've built so many businesses. So I've been in their shoes. That differentiates me with a lot of other investors who just study business or whatever in business school or finance. And I've been an entrepreneur myself. I walk the walk. And so I know what they should be focusing on. And I can tell, are they focused on this or not? That really is something that I'm super happy about when I see them really looking for this. And I would say one of the best, I have a lot of investment criteria. I'm not going to go through all of them just because I probably don't have time for that. But the, I think the biggest predictor of success for a startup is 
this thing, does the founder aware of what he should spend his time on? Is he actually spending his time on that? So that's the first part that I already mentioned. And the second part, is there a repeatable and scalable way for this company to get more and more customer, more and more growth? So I'm really looking for scalability and in, in two ways. One way is digital products. I've talked about that also. But the other way is, does the go-to-market or customer acquisition in itself is scalable and is repeatable with a bigger and bigger size? And if the, it's super difficult to master, but if you've mastered that, you have a business that basically grows on itself, mm -hmm. on autopilot. And that's the dream for an investor. So that's really what I'm looking for. It's not always perfect. It's not always here. But uh, when I'm able to find that, this is when I get really excited. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, so given what you're doing now, can you share what is your vision for the next few years? What do you see as maybe challenges that you see now? Wow, very broad topic. Um, well, startups right now, so we're in March 2023, going through a little bit of a rough time, we can say. I think it's healthy for the startup ecosystem was probably close to a bubble, somewhat into a bubble. So I think it's healthy for valuations to come down and for entrepreneurs to start thinking about burn and runway because no one was thinking about this. Like 2021, 2022 is just burn. What's burn? I don't know. Whatever. Let's go. Yeah. So I think it's healthy for the ecosystem. It's going to flush out a lot of bad actors, weak actors, both in, do, in the startups and in the investors as well. Uh, so there's going to be more room for the good investors who are going to survive like myself and many others. And so I think this is where we're at right now. I think it's still a very exciting time to invest. Okay. A lot of people are scared. Oh, now is not the time. Valuations, uncertainty, interest rates, inflation. I think it's the best time to invest. We've seen time and time again uh, in the dot-com bubble in 2000, 2001, in the 2008 crisis, we've seen that those periods of uncertainty and low valuations and crises, quote unquote, are actually the best time to invest in where a lot of startups, giants emerged. 2001 was eBay, Amazon, Google, between 99 and 2001. 2008 was Pinterest, Airbnb, Stripe, to today. So who are going to be the biggest winners in five to 10 years? They might, they might be right now. And of course, right, to survive, to thrive in, the, in today's environment, you need to be even better than, than last year, two years ago. So I, when are we going to go come out of this? I have no idea. I don't have a crystal ball. We'll see. People now think that it might be maybe 2025. I don't know. What I do know is those things are cyclical. So at some point, we're going to be out of, the, of this. And one thing that is interesting is I'm also investing in the stock market, in, in tech stocks, because I believe in tech in general. And people right now, they hate tech stocks. It's like the worst thing. But technology, what you really got to ask yourself is, is technology really changing the world, changing the business world, and changing our lives? And I think the answer, obviously, is yes. There's so many pans of our lives, so many things in our everyday life, whether it's business or personal that are evolving because of technology. Everyone now has 5G on their phone and there's so many usage, there's video games and there's blockchain. And like, we could talk about this for hours, obviously, but I do think technology in the long run is still going to have a huge impact. And so the startups are at the forefront of that ecosystem. They're building the next wave of innovation. So it is still very exciting to invest in startups. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think what I love is that how you are realistic or you are aware of what is happening, but also being optimistic about it. Because I Absolutely. do see a lot of people talking about just getting through the year 
and then they are missing out on opportunities for innovation or like how could this be a growth year for me even in in a recession year or even in a downturn if you look back like you see many big companies are actually born there and then that is an outlook that's not about the market that's more of an outlook that where are the opportunities and unless I am looking for opportunities. I'm not going to find them. So yeah, I sure. think that's a wonderful outlook to have as an investor also. So, but like apart from everything that we have spoken about, tell us, tell me and tell the audience here something about yourself, which most people are not aware of. <laughs> something about me that most people are not aware of. Wow. I don't know what, okay. I'm going to tell you something that most people are not aware of. I don't, it's the first thing that came to mind. I don't know why, but let, here it comes. Sometimes, often I fantasize about dropping everything and just going to finish my days on an island, just drinking piña coladas and not doing anything. I have this thought that comes to mind very often, a few times a year, every year for the past few years. And I'm like, let me just, why am I do, even doing all this? Like I can probably, if I'm scrappy enough, not have to work until the end of my day and just drink cocktail, drink pina colada and do nothing, just fish or whatever, go in Thailand, whatever. And every time I have this thought, at the beginning, I was entertaining the idea. I was like, okay, maybe I should do it, but let me think about it. And every time I came to the same conclusion, I'm like, if I do this, I'm going to be so bored. Like after two months, I'm going to like, I'm going to build another business. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to build a new business here in Thailand, whatever. I don't know, right? So... Every, so what's funny is this thought keeps popping back, maybe because I'm still working a lot, even though we've talked about work IG, I still put a lot of effort. And every so often, this thought is going to pop back in my head. Like, oh, wow, if I was just two weeks of doing nothing on, the, on a beach and sipping cocktails, but then I know for sure, like I know myself, I would be bored out of my mind. It's, I don't know what to make of this. It's interesting that you... It's like meditation, right? When you have feelings, just observe the feeling coming through you, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to act on that feeling. So that's something that I, I don't know why it came to mind, but I've never told this to almost anyone except my wife. So now here it is. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think the more I meditate, the more I realize the value of my intuition, or especially if there is a dream or there is something which keeps coming back to me. There is a inner or deeper sense of wisdom there, or there's something which wants to speak to me. And and I think from what you're sharing, I think is it doesn't have to be either or, right? It could be mm-hmm. both having that peace, having that like a place of freedom, which yeah. maybe being on a beach signifies for you. But then also being involved. I don't think these two are mutually exclusive. Being very involved in the world, but having that inner sense of freedom and peace. And then maybe being on a beach as well, right? Physically, it doesn't have to be either or. But one thing which I've learned, and I think I also work with many other entrepreneurs, that if your intuition or if your gut feeling is telling you something, especially on a repeated basis, then there is something which is valuable. There is some wisdom there. And then if you can listen to it and incorporate that into your decision making, normally it will serve you well, both as an individual, but also with your business, with your entrepreneurship and so on. So I think that's interesting what you shared. I love what you just said. It's not mutually exclusive. You're right. I just need a computer. Maybe I need to relocate on a beach. We'll see. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think meditation is so much about the internal state, right? So the internal state can still be free or can still be very relaxed while you're still being busy. And I think that's 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 the real power of meditation, right? It's not to, to be relaxed in that 30 minutes that you meditate, but the difference it makes in the rest of your day. 
Yeah. So, so thank Absolutely. you for for sharing that. And yeah. as you said, obviously we can talk about this for hours, but to wrap this up for anybody who is listening, anybody who wants to reach out to you, maybe like for advice, for investment, is there anything which you want to add or is there anywhere you would like them to, to direct them to? Well, the easiest way to reach out and find me is on LinkedIn. You can type in my name, Gabriel Jarrison. Yeah, I do have a YouTube channel where I post a lot of content, but it's in French. So if you want to practice your French, if you understand French, feel free to follow me on YouTube. Yeah, I guess LinkedIn is good. I'm, you can reach out to me on Twitter if you're more active there. I have a Twitter account, but I spend most of my time on social media on LinkedIn. And I spend a very little time on social media. That's also part of yeah. having a good... Uh, yeah. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Gabriel, once again, for Thank sharing so everything that you have shared and actually doing what you do. And I wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead for you. Maybe like sipping pina coladas in a beach and while still like changing the landscape of investments or entrepreneurship at the same time. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction, not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come, and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.